And good morning to everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show, right here exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. Yours truly, Carlos Brown, joined by Charles Etman of the Alcorn State Radio Network and Ossie Clark of the Grambling State Radio Network. Here's the guest menu for today's show. Of course, Charles Edman, Ossie Clark starts us off. Uh, Larry Harrell will join me in hour number two, former uh, Southern University football player, now coaching in the state of Georgia. And then uh, we also have Willa Brown, former uh, director of athletics at Jackson State, now interim athletic director at Fort uh, Valley State. So we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, it, a lot of things happening since the last time we talked, which was uh, last Saturday. So let me do this. First and foremost, uh, I, I want to talk about the tragic uh, accident accident off of uh, Interstate 49 in North Louisiana. Three Southern University students and also members of, uh, of the the human jukebox, Broderick Moore, 19 of uh, Cedar Hills, Texas, Tyron Williams, 19 of Dallas, Texas, and uh, Dylan Young, 21. Uh, they lost their lives in a tragic, just a truly just unbelievable yeah. accident. And uh, they're going to have um, a tribute honoring uh, these three fine young men. Um, Location Isaac Gray Band Hall tomorrow at 4 p.m. Our thoughts and prayers go to their families. They were traveling home at the end of the semester. Also, the Southern University Human Jukebox family and the Southern University uh, family. Uh, guys, um, it's, it's kind of heartfelt. These things, um, they happen, but... Um, it's just an incredible, incredible sad time. And um, three young men and, you know, a lot to live for young and this happened. So our thoughts and prayers uh, go out to uh, everyone involved, their families. Again, Southern University, the band members, um, life goes on, but just, just tough. Um, if you have any comments, you can do so right now. Aussie, I'm sure that um you know these things happen and i don't think you ever get accustomed or, or used to these type of things that that happen you don't get accustomed at all and the sad but honest truth is how tragic it is for these young men to be traveling back home just to enjoy family to enjoy the christmas holiday to kind of relax from uh everything that their minds, their bodies, their souls have gone through this year at school. And for a trucker, a driver of a truck, an 18-wheeler uh, to, you know, just come by and swipe them and take their lives while they're trying to change a tire. You know, it's just absolutely one of the worst things that you possibly uh, experience as a parent. And I know that you know having a daughter who's in high school right now who drives uh to school to warren eastern high school in new orleans louisiana my heart every day just uh goes uh pitter pat because you just don't know what's going to happen the only thing that you can do is pray and cover your children uh, and ask god to give them the grace to be able to make it back and forth um 
home to their destination, from, from their destinations to home. And in this situation, because of the folly of one individual, someone who was either tired behind the wheel or just not paying attention, uh, three innocent young men who had so much to live for, uh, they are gone. And I know it's sad to, that they are gone. And our thoughts, our prayers, our hearts, so family, who have these young men. And I know this is an old saying in the church, but it is a very true statement and it will take time, but earth truly has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Well said, Ossie. Charles? Yeah, my, my thoughts and prayers are with the Southern University, the Southern University family, and especially the, uh, the families of those three individuals. You know, those were three sons. You know, those are three sons of, of someone. And that's uh, that's the tragic part about it, you know, just going about their daily lives and, you know, trying to get home. And it's just unfortunate. And for me personally, just my thoughts and prayers are with Southern University and the Southern University family. So, so tragic. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. Boy. Well, also, what's trending here on today's show, once again, we've got several topics to, to discuss, and, uh, and uh, I, I just want to hear, uh, get your guys' perspective on it. But congratulations to Jackson State uh, University, their football team. They're the 2022 SWAC football champions, 43-24 to 24 over Southern University. Uh, still a perfect record. Now on to the Celebration Bowl against North Carolina Central. And if guys, if we kind of look at, at, at this ball game, um, my notes here, three turnovers in the first quarter, literally doomed to Southern University. Bubba McDaniels had tremendous success. And, you know, the talk has already started. Wow, this Bubba McDaniels should have been the starter the number one quarterback all year, but uh, over 160 yards rushing through for over 200. That was the first time, first time that uh, Jack State has given up over 400 yards and, and in, in the football season. And um, now Bubba McDaniels, his eligibility is up. He's gone, mm. but um, that – truly was a, a, a interesting football game because we kind of talked about it last week. Would Coach Dooley have a quick hook? I said if I was the coach, I would, but of course I'm not the coach. He comes in and offensively they get things going. They outscored Jackson State 24-17 to 17 after he entered uh, the football game. So what if, coulda, woulda, shoulda, guys, now let let the second guessing it's already I have the gun. Um, it is going to be a, a, a interesting off season for Southern University guys. Well, let me let me start out first because I made a bunch of predictions on your show seven days ago, Carlos, and I'm raising my hand I, and I'm saying how wrong I was and how I right didn't want to bring that up. <laughs> Well, I mean, hey, call it what it is. When you're wrong, you got you got to admit that you're wrong. How wrong I was on all fronts. You know, I, I honestly thought that Jackson would be a little bit off their spot. I think Southern helped them a little bit, obviously, by spot. You just can't spot Jackson that many points early on. Uh, I was wrong about that. 
I was wrong about the end result, and I was wrong about the quarterback situation. Clearly, clearly, um, Southern's QB didn't have it. And Coach Dooley rolled the dice, and it paid off most of the game. But early in the game is where the game was lost. So congratulations, Jackson State. I think if you're Southern University, if you're Eric Dooley, you're back to square one at the quarterback position. Uh, I don't, I, you know, you, you you look at McRae, is he your long-term answer? Um, I think that's got to be looked at and evaluated because clearly in the biggest game, he he faltered. So now, as you said, Bubba McDaniel is gone. And where are you going to go from here on the quarterback position? If you don't have a, a, a manageable and a serviceable quarterback, you have no chance. And so I think yeah. Southern's back to square one. There's got to be a lot of uh, evaluation of that position as well as other positions. And even for Eric Dooley, I read a comment that maybe Eric Dooley should step back from calling plays, hire an OC and let him manage the game. I don't know if he's going to do that or not, but there's got to be a lot of questions about, you know, how Southern rolls forward because this race is wide open now, you know, Jackson state, they got, they're going to have a whole new setup. You know, the Braves are coming. Um, You know, you don't know what's going to happen at Pine Bluff. Prairie View smart in a little bit. You know, who's going to be the quarterback at Grambling? Ozzie can answer that. Is it Calvez or is he going to have six more quarterbacks in camp next year? I don't know. But this is an opportunity for Southern to figure things out because right now there's a lot of uncertainty in this league right now and a lot of different positions, a lot of different coaches, a lot of different quarterbacks, a lot of different programs. So we'll we'll see where Southern goes from here, but a lot of questions for Eric Dooley to answer. Tip your hat to the Southern University. Tip your hats to the Jaguars as well as to Jackson State University for uh, being able to be the two teams that are in the Southwestern Athletic Conference Championship game at the end of the year. And Jackson State has done what they've been able to do all year long, which is win football games, find ways to win football games. And they usually do it because they find ways to put teams away so early and make it so difficult for you to come from behind in these football games. And Southern didn't help themselves at all in this football game at all, gentlemen, early in the game. And for Coach Dooley to have to roll the dice and make that change that was necessary in this football game, he had to do what he had to do to give himself a chance at the end to win the football contest. And there's always going to be a lot of conjecture about what should have happened, who could have started, why this person should have been the starting quarterback. The reality is this, that is never the decisions of any persons, not ours, not fans, not anybody. That's the decision of the coach who sits there every Mm -hmm. single day and makes that decision, who watches these young men in practice and understands who's going to give me the best opportunity to win in this situation. And when you roll the dice and you think it's the guy that you start with, you just go with it and say, hey, whatever happens at this point absolutely happens. If it doesn't go well, I always have a backup plan. And the backup plan was McDowell, who did a very great job of helping these young men to fight throughout the course of that football game. But just too many points to come back from. Is Coach Dooley going to take a step back from calling plays next year? I absolutely doubt it because that's just not who he is. He wants to be in control of the offensive unit uh, that he that he's uh, calling. And so 
I don't blame him from that standpoint. If he doesn't feel comfortable putting that into the hands of somebody else, if the blame is going to fall back on anybody, it might as well fall back on me if I'm the offensive coordinator and also uh, the head coach. I was having this conversation with a guy that I work with at uh, Holy Savior Menard in Alexandria, Louisiana. He's uh, a football coach. And we were talking about the SWAC as a whole. And we were talking about, well, who's going to be the team? And I still believe for the next couple of years, it's going to be the Jackson State Tigers. But he said that he thought Southern would be that team. I said, Southern will be that team if they can find somebody who can control the offensive side of the football at quarterback. Because once they have that guy that can be in control of what happens on the offensive end, now the Jaguars are a very dangerous football team. And Charles, I think you were right. They're right back at square one right now, trying to find that person who can lead the offensive unit for Southern University. So it's still going to be a... Uh, a long process for the Jaguars at this point. Maybe Coach Dooley has something uh, in his bag of tricks to pull somebody out that we don't know anything about at this point. But when you just look at things, I just think right now the Jaguars uh, are in that position where they have to find somebody who can lead this group. That is very interesting because I was having a discussion, and, of course, I, I, I agree. I, I don't believe – I'm pretty 120% sure that the offensive coordinator will be the same as last year, Coach Eric Dooley. If I'm wrong, I'll come back and say I was wrong, but uh, no, he, he's going to have both jobs as usual. Now, the spring season comes up, and it's going to be very important. And I know some people are saying, well, you know, what are they going to do at quarterback? I think all positions should be open when you go into the spring. Returning starters, they'll have to earn it. You have to always earn it. And now, Ossie, you may can talk about a guy that who transferred to Southern University. I talked to his coach from high school a couple of weeks ago, Bruce Eugene and Noah Bowden. Just, and all I'm doing is offering an opinion. Of course, you're absolutely right. The coach is there every practice. He makes the decision. He has to live with it. I can only just offer my opinion. But looking the part, I'm, I guess I'll put it this way. I'm so intrigued about Noah Bowden, about 6'4", 215. But we'll see in the spring. That that will be very important to see who will win the quarterback competition. But um, your thoughts on Noah Bowden? Um, Coach Bruce Eugene said basically give him a spring and he would really – he believes that he would really be – in a position to, to win that, that job. Actually, I absolutely agree with Coach Bruce Eugene. I thought that Noah Bowden was going to be uh, the quarterback of the future for the Grambling Tigers, and everybody was expecting him in a freshman campaign, a freshman year, to be able to do things that most seniors or uh, upperclassmen were able to do. Here's a guy that can actually throw the football and he makes good decisions with the football. The problem at Grambling at the time was he did not have a great, a great offensive line in front of him, nor did he have great playmakers uh, that could just, you know, stretch the field or make plays from the, the receiving category. So it really put him in a bind overall, but he's a young man that I really thought that 
if he would have had another year and had things been different at Grambling where he could settle into the system a little bit better, I thought he was going to be the quarterback of the future for the Grambling Tigers. Now, he's not uh, that great dual threat quarterback, so he's not really going to be that guy that you're going to look to see him run out of the pocket a whole lot. He's going to be that guy. He's going to make the reads that are necessary to keep his team successful, move the chains down the field. If he has the ability and the opportunity to play this spring, I think he's going to be able to win over the coaching staff at Southern University and have an opportunity to lead the Jaguars. And what greater opportunity for him is if he can keep that position to have an opportunity to show everybody at Grambling what type of player he would have been for the Grambling Tigers. Charles Edmond, I was having a discussion with my best friend, and we've talked about, let me get your perspective on this. We're talking about dual threat quarterbacks. I think we need to uh, refine the definition of a dual quarterback. One being able to do both well, accuracy, being able to throw the football. And I think that's the first priority of a quarterback to be able to be accurate when throwing, be a leader on the field. Is it time to define a redefine a dual threat quarterback? Because it seems in this league, I think more emphasis is put on the athleticism of that quarterback. But again, the first priority is you got to be accurate. You got to be able to put the ball where it needs to, to, to be. And you, you've got to go through your progressions and a point that Ozzy brought up, and you also have to have that, that O-line in front to, to, to help out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the definition of dual threat quarterback for what we're looking at in this conference, if you look at the Felix Harpers, if you look at the Shadur Sanders, um, you know, you look, at, you look at the Skeletons just going back. I mean, I, I think if you can do both well, you're even that more dangerous. Um, and so I think when you look at a Shador Sanders, for example, whether he'll play next week or not, I don't know. But you, you clearly saw he had some big runs against Southern University and he was pretty accurate with the football, in my opinion, based on what I've seen from him. Um, I, I just think for the dual threat quarterback position, if you can manage the game, do both well and just don't cost your team the game. Just don't put it on the ground. Just don't make bad decisions. I mean, I think if you do that, then it takes away the, the question of dual threat quarterback. Uh, I, I think based on what you're seeing with, with Southern University, especially in the championship game, it does cause you to ask ask that question. Um, I just think you just have to keep it status quo and just find the right guy, the right guy to get it done, whether it's Bowden, um, you know, whether it's McRae or whomever it may be. I mean, Dooley's going to have somebody in his back pocket. I can guarantee you that. He's going to have someone that you didn't expect that could come up that he'll probably look in the portal and try to get perhaps – but I, I think that the dual threat quarterback definition is fine to me. I don't have an issue with it. If you can do both reasonably well, you're fine. But I think the reason why you brought it up is because you may see one area deficient, another may be okay. And based on maybe what you saw in McRae, you, you saw maybe some inconsistencies on both facets of it. So that leads you to kind of redefine how that position looks. Um, but I think the position, as we've seen based on previous quarterbacks, in this league that have done well is fine. You know, Quill Glass, you know, he wasn't a big runner, but he had a big arm. 
and they were successful mm -hmm. to, to a certain extent. You talk about Noah Johnson, Felix Harper, just looking at Alcorn, Shador Sanders, and if you go all the way back. So I, I think the definition is fine. It's just finding the right quarterback that fits that mold, that's a game manager, that can't cost you the game. Now, Eric Dooley says he wants a quarterback that's going to win the game, not necessarily manage the game. Uh, you know, and so I don't know if that's going to get redefined in, in in his encyclopedia or not. We'll we'll see on that. But I'm I'm fine, in my opinion, I'm fine with the definition, just based on the quarterbacks we've seen in this league over the last few years. Yeah, well, once again, I I think guys, you have to do both equally well, and a lot of times you're seeing quarterbacks rely a bit too much on the athleticism, and as you go up against better and better competition you, you're going to have to be able to do both you can't just rely on one thing and i think we kind of have, have, have seen that well we'll move on coach Deion sanders oh wow isn't that big news right we kind of talked about it last week uh, he, he's moved on um almost now being a, a, a dual threat coach coaching the jackson state the final <laughs> game <laughs> going to be at Colorado. And, and if you've seen it on social media, one thing about Coach Sanders, he's going to take care of himself first as far as the social media aspect. I I, I didn't know that his, his, I guess, eldest son was in charge of all of that. And they, mm -hmm. they put out the content. They, they really do. But he's now going to uh, be at the University of Colorado starting uh, very shortly after the Celebration Bowl. And then we see kind of uh, some things that happen because of that. Also, Coach Dancy is leaving Mississippi Valley State to be on the staff at uh, Colorado as a safety coach. We had kind of heard those rumors. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's now, it, it has happened. But back to the Coach Sanders situation, we kind of knew it was, it, it was going to happen. He had, uh, I guess, some choices of where he's going to go. Now that puts, oh, wow, that, that puts the conference, you, you, a third of your coaches, UAPB, Arkansas Pine Bluff, Jackson State. Am I missing somebody? That we're going to have new coaches. And, Cookman. and then, of course, Mississippi yeah. Valley. And yeah. Valley. So, so it's going to look uh, a little bit different at the 2023 SWAC Football Media Day. But um, I, I Thank Coach Sanders. I wish him the best in his next adventure. And boy, guys, some of the stuff that's coming out uh, on social media, oh my goodness, it, it, it's just unbelievable. That's why I said that just, just wish him the best. Fingers pointed. And I, I'll just say this. In my humble opinion, I knew Coach Sanders' ultimate job was to be a uh, – a head co coach on the highest level in collegiate football. And in Jackson State, uh, they got something out of the deal. Two swag football championships in a row, publicity, all of that. I'm going to leave it at that. You know, all the other stuff coming out about, you know, Coach Sanders taking his salary and then the university saying, well, no. The, the facility upgrades and all of that that they've gotten, they were on the book to, to get done. And so it's a lot of finger pointing. Just kind of wish Coach Sanders the best and move on. Because you remember, guys, I talked about it. the conference will survive. It will 
will survive. Jackson State football program, Ashley makes the decision to bring in the next coach. If he makes uh, a good hire, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Uh, Charles and then I said, get your perspective on all this. Well, well, congratulations to Coach Sanders, you know, for this, for what he's done. He obviously came to Jackson State, his first press conference, do you believe? You know, he talked the talk and he walked the walk. Two two championships, two division titles, two trips to the Celebration Bowl, maybe a chance to be the second conference team to win the Celebration Bowl. We'll see in seven days. We'll see. Um, as far as how he went out, I think Carlos, to me, and I thought about it this morning, I think we are getting a taste of big-time – college football moves on the coaching level. When you talk about FBS programs, coaches that lead programs to take over another program, this is kind of how it works. Now, the bowl game, that's a whole nother story. I mean, you know, a coach can coach that bowl game and then bolt. But this is what you see on the big time level. You see coaches getting poached from those programs, players transferring out with the transfer portal, I think it hurts us because this doesn't happen very often. Um, Jay Hobson, when he was at Alcorn, he left to go to USM, right? But he didn't leave until right before signing day. Now, for some Alcornites, that was a little bit of different kind of pain because you have your signing day coming up with the assumption that Jay Hobson was going to be the coach and then he goes to USM. You can't blame him for leaving, you know, because that was kind of his dream job, the timing of it. So I think they say timing is everything. And this is, this is mm-hmm. what you see in big-time FBS football. When coaches leave to take another job at another with another team, usually there's collateral damage, whether it's from the players, the coaches, the administration. And I think Jackson State is, is seeing that now. Um, you know, whether or not he paid for stuff out of his own pocket and all that other stuff, I'm, I'm with you. You know, that I'm not even thinking about that. But just in the timing of it and the way it happened, now, if it was me, I would probably have waited until after Celebration Bowl or after Absolutely. the season was over. And I think that will calm a lot of waters because people say, well, you know what? Congratulations. But there's still a lot of hurt people out there, a lot of hurt Jacksonians, for sure. And this is going to be one of these stories, Carlos, we're going to be talking about not only now, next week, next month, next year, five years from now, we're going to be talking about this because the way he came in and the way he's going out. And the people he's taken with him on his way out, four coaches, according to reports, are going to be joining him. That's going to, you know, provide a whole nother dynamic as far as that program is concerned. He's supposed to be coaching the Celebration Bowl, or some people feel like he shouldn't be. Um, so, I mean, those questions will be answered, you know, here shortly. But this is big time FBS football at the FCS SWAC level. Coaches do this, unfortunately. It's nasty. It's ugly. It's not pretty but it's just the nature of the business when you get a job like this. And, you know, there's only one other example. Like I said, Jay Hobson. I mean, you look at these other coaches that have left programs. They've been terminated or even Dawson Odoms. Dawson Odoms left to go to Norfolk State, but he was there a number of years. The program was better off when he left than it was when he took it over. Um, Got obviously a better offer, but the timing of that, you know, it got a little bit of talk, a little bit of play, but then Southern was kind of on the downside where the program was. So people say good, some people say good riddance, others, you know, have other opinions about it. But I think this is kind of big time football, what we're seeing on the SWAC level. Coaches are going to get this. Deion Sanders, 
in three years, he might be leaving Colorado to go somewhere else. Who knows? But that's the nature of the business. It's the nasty, ugly part of the business. Administrations get affected. ADs get affected. Players get affected. Assistant coaches get affected. Everybody gets affected with this. And unfortunately, we're seeing this at the SWAC level and at Jackson State. Ashley Robinson has a big, has some big shoes to fill, trying to find another coach, whether it's going to be someone on that staff. You hear T.C. Taylor's name mentioned. Or will he go with another high-profile coach, high-profile name? There are names out there. So uh, it's it's not liked by a lot of people, but this is just a nasty, unfortunate, and the reality of the college football business that we're looking at. The big-time part of it, we're just experiencing it here on the SWAC level. Aussie, if you were a director of athletics, here's a question. Putting you on the spot a little bit. Does Coach Sanders coach in that, that celebration bowl, or do you thank him for what all he's done and get your start at your next job? If I'm the director of athletics at a school and Coach Sanders is the head coach, I am going to let him coach the game. And the reason why I'm going to let him coach the game is because he came in and he wants to finish the job. Even though he's accepted a job at another place, the job is not complete yet. And you do not want to hurt the overall uh, allure that you have going forward. Does it actually cause some controversy to probably have him there and some mixed emotions and some mixed feelings? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, it's about winning that football game. It's about making sure those guys who are playing for him are playing for Jackson State have whatever it is that they need to be comfortable to win this football game. Remember last year, guys, Jackson State went into that football game and they should have clearly beaten South Carolina State. But South Carolina State was absolutely prepared to come in and win the football game. And so this year, just to have that level of relaxation as a team, as players, I would let Coach Sanders absolutely stay. Let's deal with it from this standpoint as well. There's been many people who have made comments, whether it's social media, whether it's people in Jackson, whether it was people in the stands at the uh, SWAC championship game, everybody has an opinion of what should have happened and how Coach Sanders should have handled it. And I'm like Charles. I absolutely believe that the announcement should have been made after the Celebration Bowl because I think that would have taken a little bit of the sting away from uh, the Jackson fans, understanding that Coach Sanders always had in mind to move forward to a Power 5 school. Who would have ever believed that it would have been Colorado that mm -hmm. was going to be the Power 5 school that he was going to actually go to? So it takes away a little bit of the sting um, from that standpoint. But here's where I'm going to go with it. For all of the people that are upset, about him making the moves. Here's what we have to start thinking about on the SWAC level, on the FBS level. We can no longer continue to pay people the amounts of money that we pay them and think that we're doing a very good job of actually compensating coaches. Because at the end of the day, whether we wanna believe this or not, it really comes down to dollars and cents. And it actually comes down to the second part is that he can make moves for his family because Shadour is gone. 
His daughter's going to be playing for the University of Colorado. He can take an entire coaching staff, uh, four coaches from the coaching staff, Coach Thurman being one of those coaches that he's going to take right along with them and offer them something that they can't get on the FBS or the SWAC level. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm just going to talk about it from this standpoint. It doesn't make any sense to me that we're paying coaches in college football on the SWAC level or on the smaller college level, almost the same amount of money a high school teacher makes. That that just doesn't make good sense whatsoever. Now, I understand that part of it, and it's a part of it if you accept the coaching job. But when you look at Coach Sanders and what he was able to do at Jackson State University in a short amount of time, you have to tip your hat to him. And now that the blueprint has been put out there, who can come in and continue to build on that legacy at Jackson State? Jackson State was already a stoic program. It, it it already had a history. Now with Coach Sanders, it just has a little bit more of a history, and it puts them in a better position to be seen by the public. Who's going to come in now? Is it going to be TC? Are they going to go after somebody outside uh, and bring them in to try to keep this thing going? The world may never know, but as uh, a person who sits back and looks at this, and I've had a myriad of arguments with my wife about this situation, and she's she's not in favor of Coach Sanders actually making this move. And I just had to make the point, at some point, when do we not get upset about opportunity? Because somebody will say, well, opportunity would have come. What if it would not have come? Where would he be right now? He'd be still doing the same thing that he's doing. And so I'm not mad at him for wanting to advance. I'm not mad at him for wanting to go forward. I'm just upset when people think that you're supposed to move by their time clock and by their schedule. And that's a little bit more frustrating to me when we talk about Coach Sanders. Well, and and I think, I was trying to make some notes there when when you were talking about um, payment. Now, I'm going to say this. Let's look at what Coach Sanders is making. Well, let me back up. He's he's of course you're not going to make as much money on this level like no. up to F, FB, FBS level. Okay? But in the past, Coach Foss, what? 300,000 give or take. Yeah, I'm going to say it's more north of 300,000. Coach Dooley right now, 300,000. A little north of 300,000. Who else am I am I missing in the past? Willie Simmons. Oh, Preston, Preston, Willie Simmons. Simmons. Yeah. Now, guys, we compare that to some of the head coaches at the FC level at the Southland. Swack is paying their head coaches in most parts better than some of the FCS brethren, like in the Southland. Now, I don't know how much if you can, you know, you get all of the FCS conference. But then we also have to talk about resources. Head coaches are making, I would say, decent, Austin. But then the position coaches, they need to be compensated more. Then you have the defensive and offensive coordinators. I don't think the SWAC is 
is on the lower end of FCS. Talking about Division One. We talking about you know Division One um, coaches, but now resources, facility upgrade, this and that. Then, yeah, you, you can you can do better. We even we were talking about that twenty years ago, and, and shamefully, in some places, you're still talking about facilities upgrade. So, and then two, Jackson State, Coach Robinson. Let me Coach Robinson, Ashley Robinson. He hired Coach Sanders. And what did that do for Coach Sanders? He finally got some head coaching experience, right? Right? He didn't have it at first, oh, correct? Absolutely. And so they helped each other as far as that. But, you know, people can have their opinions. And even if they would announce it, Austin, after Celebration Bowl, and I understand what you're saying, they still would have some people upset. You, you can still tell. And then some of the things, not what I'm saying, but he had a mission to rise HBCUs out of the ashes. God told him this is where he needs to, to be. And I think some people are saying, well, my goodness, that means You'll be there to the job forever. Done. Yeah, forever. But forever. you knew, Charles, you knew, and I knew that his ultimate goal was to coach at the highest level in, in, in college football. So I'm not mad. The swack again will survive. And under the leadership of Dr. McClellan. Now, let's be honest, if Dr. McClellan happens to get a better offer. I think you will see much more of an impact than Coach Sanders leaving. Anybody agree with me on that? Even in the chat room. I really would be worried then. Not that he can't be replaced, but the things that he is doing in the leadership, I would be much more worried. And I just think people are, are, you know, emotional, and everybody can have their opinions. I understand that, but just sit, just sit back, and you, you, you thank Coach Sanders, and then let's move on. Let's move on. We still have issues. You still want to uh, uplift the conference, and, and, and I think it, it, it will happen. It will. It, it, it will happen. And look, Jackson State's football program is in a lot better shape now than it was three years ago. There's no question about mm-hmm. that with the new turf and all the new projects that supposedly are coming online, the new meeting room and all that. So the program aesthetically is in a much better place. Now, as far as that roster is concerned, as far as that coaching staff is concerned, we all know what's going to probably happen. You know, a number of players are going to Colorado. You know, some players are going to hit the portal. You're already reading some of that on social media already. Um, so I think Ashley Robinson's got the biggest challenge of his professional life coming up right here because the program, because Jack Sony is just saying, hey, Coach Sanders is gone. We can't go backwards. It was over a decade in between yeah. championships. You can't go back. So this hire, you got you to gotta almost nail it. You got to almost nail it. You're going to have a new quarterback in there. You're going to have a new head coach. You're going to have a new defensive coordinator. You're taking four coaches that are not going to be there. Maybe a couple more might 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 leave before it's all said and done. Who knows? But this is going to be a really big hire for Ashley Robinson. I know Ashley well. 
He always likes to make a big splash, whether he was at Valley, whether he was at Prairie View, and Willie Simmons <laughs> taking him from us. He was offensive coordinator at Alcorn, and uh, he, he, he left to go to Prairie View. So this is a big hire for Ashley Robinson. Yes, the SWAC's going to be fine, but for Jackson State, I just think the way he went out, how he went out, and I just think if you're a good coach, regardless if your name is Deion Sanders or Carlos Brown, Ossie I, I Clark, if you're a good coach and you elevate a program, somebody else is coming for you. And yes, you can only pay what you can pay. You know, I don't know if it's true that there was a million dollar offer on the table for Coach Sanders to stay at Jackson State. I don't know if that's true or not. But, you know, when you're talking about Colorado, you're talking about paying five million dollars a year. You're making 15 times what you're making at Jackson State. There's no way that a HBCU can can even come close to matching that. Let's be honest about that. So it's whether or not you feel like you've done all you can do where you are and you go to the next step, which is a lower level power five school in Colorado. They won one game last year. So he's riding a horse right now that's wounded. That that Buffalo was wounded. So if he can come in there and elevate that program to a three or four win season next year, and you're reading the reports, how season course. ticket sales are already through the roof. Uh, the the the, the Pac 12s media rights deal is going to be elevated because of him coming in. I mean, that's what the Pac 12 commissioner is saying. Um, and you you saw the video of him at the Colorado State Colorado basketball game, got the standing ovation, a packed house, and all that. Already, you're seeing that before he's even coached a game. Now, you know, I. I I don't agree with, you know, the the thing that he did when he met his team. Hey, you 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 know, I got my luggage coming. You better hit the portal. That's something I probably would have said privately. I wouldn't have said that for everybody to consume, even though you you know when a head coach comes in, a lot of guys going to hit the portal anyway. A lot of guys not going to make it. I wouldn't have been that brutally honest, but that's who that's who coach that's how that's what coach Sanders is about. That's that's who he is. He's not going to he's not going to leave anything to chance. He's going to let you know what's on his mind in real time. So Hey, I'm just I'm just one of those that I think we're seeing something different in the league now. I think we're getting a taste of big time FBS football at the SWAC level where a coach gets a way bigger offer, takes off, leaves, and it could be better timing, but that's just not the reality we're in. If you look at other coaches at the next level, they they leave some coach the bowl game if they make it, some don't. And I think we're just getting a little bit of a taste of that. And we just have to understand it's all about business. This is this is what it's all yeah. about. It's about business and taking care of your family. And that's what Coach Sanders is doing. He's worth $40 million, according to reports. But like someone posted, he's no different than the rest of us. He still needs a dollar or two as well. So, I, hey, I, I don't blame him. Congratulations to him. But as a swag guy, Carlos, I want to see what Jackson State's going to look like. I want to see what that staff's going to look like. I want to see what that roster's going to look like because – that's going to be one of the thousand questions come media day in seven months. Media day in seven months is going to be crazy for a whole nother set of reasons. I'm already looking forward to that. Never a, a dull moment in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. A, a, a lot uh, happening. Um, the 2023 Black College Hall of Fame class is introduced. And this class has some exceptional talent and we do have a graph for you so Roy's producing today's show I'm sure he's going to uh, take care of that and put it up uh, for you and, and there you go Leslie Frazier of Alcorn State now the uh, defensive coordinator at the Buffalo Bills Henry Lawrence from FAMU 
Elijah Pitts, Philander Smith, Johnny Walton, Elizabeth City State, Tyrone McGriff, FAMU, Jim Marcellus, Tennessee State, Albert Lewis, Gramlin State, definitely remember him. And look at there, Coach Pete Richardson, former head football coach at Winston-Salem State and Southern University, inducted into the class of 2023, the Black College Hall of Fame. Guys, that was just some tremendous talent. And of course, Coach Richardson still uh, involved with the university. Uh, they consult with him on certain matters. Apart, he's a color analyst, like Aussie, for the Southern University mm -hmm. Radio Network. But what an outstanding class. And uh, uh, knowing Coach Pete Richardson personally, uh, <laughs> when he first came on campus, you know, the story was, and, and I agree, wow, he looks like more like a college professor, guys, uh, <laughs> than a football coach. But, I mean, set – yeah, set the example right away. And, you know, some of those games, the first game he coached against Northwestern State in the Superdome, Southern had their way with Northwestern State. And that first mm -hmm. game set the bar, set the bar. And so now we even see um, basketball, because that's one of my notes as well. Uh, we're seeing big victories out of a conference, but Coach Richardson, part of that 2023 class, um, just just outstanding, and 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 it's great to be recognized by uh, your own, and, and that's what happened, yes. guys. Uh, great, great, great class. Comments? I I totally agree. I mean, Albert Lewis, I remember him, a Gramlin Knight, of course, Leslie Frazier, um, Alcorn yeah. Zone. I mean, doing a great job with that Buffalo defense. And, uh, you know, and, and Coach Pete Richardson, I mean, you know, the Black College Hall of Fame, Football Hall of Fame, they they get it right. You know, they they get a lot of – and there's so much talent out there, so many great minds, past and present. And and I am so happy for the, for everyone in that class, but the, the three that I know that I'm very familiar with, I mean, just, just a great class all the way around. Uh, you're absolutely right. Aussie? The creme de la creme, when you look at it, you, you cannot have a Black College Hall of Fame without having Coach Pete Richardson in the Black College Hall of Fame. Here's a guy that came in and did an amazing job with the Southern University uh, program. He's been an amazing coach uh, throughout his career, but his ability to be a head coach and to lead that program through so many great seasons in the swag, a couple of national championships underneath his uh, regime as a head coach. He's a guy that if you want to be a coach, you can look up to him because he was fiery, he was firm, but he also has such a fun-loving personality that guys could galvanize behind. And to have him in the College Football Hall of Fame just tells you that you're right. They get it right. Leslie Frazier, who's doing an amazing job with the Minnesota Vikings, uh, with the, uh, excuse me, with the Buffalo Bills, was with the Minnesota Viking program for a while. He is just an outstanding football mind. And you see the greatness of what happens 
and from a black college football player who knows the game, who can translate that game over to uh, other adults and get them to play at such a maximum level and was an outstanding player within his own right. And you cannot uh, not talk about uh, Albert Lewis. What a tremendous football player he was at Grambling State University. Um, I remember him so well as a youngster uh, growing up and watching him play. And as a matter of fact, I'm about to tell my age. I remember when Albert Lewis was on Super Tecmo Bowl on Nintendo with the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> so that tells you that, that I, <laughs> how far back my mind goes back with Albert Lewis. But you're just talking about three of the creme de la creme that are put into the Black College Hall of Fame. And we tip our hats to those guys because they absolutely uh, personify what excellence is at their particular uh, genres as coaches, as players uh, in the Black College Hall of Fame. And, and some on that panel, you know, the question is, if I'm not swag, who is swag? But for some of those on that list, uh, Dion is not swag anymore. They, they, they are <laughs> swag. Yeah. And, and, and again, being, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you have different awards, you know, you have the College Football Hall of Fame, but it just means just a, a, a bit more when it comes from your own. And you understand it what does. I'm saying. So, it um, does. Absolutely. Uh, hats off. Yes, sir. Hats off to that 2023 uh, Black College Hall of Fame inductees. And also, congratulations to all HBCU and college graduates. You know, a lot of that has happened yes. over you know, the last couple of days and uh, always a special time. And, um, you know, that's that's a personal thing that you've achieved, a personal goal. That's the way I felt in 2010, graduating from Southern University. And, um, man, you just, it just brings back memory. But that that is a personal goal. So congratulations to all the HBCU and uh, college graduates. Also, we're throwing out a lot of congratulations right now. Another congratulations goes to a team that has defeated Colorado. Wow. And then defeats Vanderbilt in the SEC. Who is that? Grandma State men's basketball team. Watch out. Watch out for Grandma State men's basketball team. Between Grandma and Alcorn, Southern Prairie, Texas Southern, guys, this race is going to be outstanding on the men's side. But they defeat Vanderbilt 64-62 at Vanderbilt. Non-conference wins are crucial. And basketball, they're getting it done. And we hope, we're hoping that football will start getting those type of non-conference victory, or more of them. But uh, kudos to uh, Grandma State men's basketball team, Charles and Ossie. Coach Dante Jackson has done – okay, thank you. Coach Dante Jackson has done an amazing job with the Grambling basketball program over the last couple of years. He has found a way to bring in players that can actually play against anybody, and he's found a way to win big-time college basketball games. I want to say a couple of years ago, if my memory serves me correct, Grambling beat Georgia Tech, um, if, mm -hmm. if my memory yeah, serves me correctly. And so yeah, and so to have two high-profile wins uh, 
over you know major programs is just an outstanding job these young men understand the assignment now the question is going to be if you can win these games and this at this particular point in the year how does that set you up for the conference because that's going to be important as the season goes on can you build from this or by some chance do you start losing your momentum but you tip your hats right now for finding a way to win a game against vanderbilt because that's not an easy place to go play it's not an easy place to go win and right now you have to uh, maximize every moment because this leads you through the conference you can't have any letdowns if you're the grambling tigers yeah I'll say this, and you know, I'm a big advocate of this NCAA play-in game and all that. I'm, I'm just going to say this: mm-hmm. these wins right now are, and we're not going to, and we don't see it right now. But come March, when that committee meets, it's going to help. As long as we keep winning we'll some of these difference. games, it's going to make a difference in terms of seeding, getting out of the play-in. Although, I will say, some coaches in this league now are more in support of the play-in game instead of being a 16 seed. They would rather go to Dayton and play their way out of it that way as compared to being a 16, taking on one of the top mm-hmm. four teams in the country. I get it now, mm-hmm. but I, I my thought was the travel and logistics and having a short turnaround time. But I, I get what the coaches are saying. Um, I'm going to say this about Coach Jackson. If you remember a few years, Ossie, and I'm sure you do, Grambling was on probation mm-hmm. in the men's basketball program. They could not go to the SWAC tournament. You know what they did? Mm-hmm. They won the regular season championship. Right. That team had that type of pride and that type of heart and gut and grit and and, and blocked all that other stuff out. Because you know in SWAC basketball, it's about the regular season and the SWAC tournament, right? For that mm-hmm. team not even to be eligible to win, to go to the tournament, to win the regular season. They, they went to Alabama, Alabama State A&M, the last two games to win the regular season. And they did that. The two toughest places in the league to win, by the way, the Elmore Gym and the Academy, and they got it done. That sold me on Coach Jackson right there. And he, and I think quiet as it's kept, a lot of people don't talk about Grambling men's basketball, but Coach Jackson's a really good coach. And they got the He's pieces that fit his personality, fiery, tough. And I think Grambling's going to be a tough out. You know, we, we go to Grambling this year, you know, with the new SWAC scheduling, with the addition of the Bethune and FAMU, some of these teams you only go to mm-hmm. once. So Grambling came to us yeah. last year. We go to them this year. That's going to be a heck of a matchup when we go to the Hobby Arena. And I think the way Grambling's playing, the way Allcorn's playing, even though Landon Bussey's not happy right now because defensively we sprung a leak. Uh, but still, our wins over Stephen F. Austin and Wichita State are still carrying a lot of weight. What Texas Southern is doing, we won it, the SWAC Pac-12 Challenge. It's, it's still it's – still, and, and what you hope for – what you hope for is that win over Vanderbilt, you hope Vanderbilt gets better to elevate that win even more. That's what you yes. hope for. And, mm-hmm. and you're seeing that yeah. you're seeing that early in non-conference. And I think those wins will carry a lot of weight later on. But I think this is gonna be a very exciting regular season. So many good teams, a new gym at AM. I agree. Um Alabama State, a new coach. Mm-hmm. We're the defending regular season champs. Graham, I think Southern's got a lot to prove. I think this is a big year for Coach Woods. You know, ET, uh, I think ETN, one of the biggest transfers in the league going to Southern from Texas Southern, I think that'll help that team. So I think it's going to be a really, really fun year in SWAC basketball in, in, a, in a few weeks. I'm looking forward to that. But congratulations to Grambling. Job well done. 
and let's continue to win some of these big non-conference games. We got a big one here. I'm in Carbondale, Illinois, Southern Illinois University, Carbondale, really good team, really tough place to play and win. And if we can get this one tonight, that will help elevate our profile along with the wins over Stephen F. and Wichita State. Yeah, throughout the conference, quality, non-conference wins uh, so far in non-conference. Um, I, I, I agree. It definitely will uh, help. Um, Ossie, I know you have uh, to leave us there. I know you have something else to uh uh, to take care of. We, we, we appreciate the uh, time. Um, as always, your perspective, your opinion on uh, some of the interesting hot topics <laughs> in <laughs> college <laughs> af- athletics. Uh, you, you can leave us with uh, a, a closing comment if you care to do so, sir. I, Carlos, thank you again. Uh, Charles, always great to be around you guys. Uh, you continue to do an amazing job with, with the program that you have and uh, just letting us come on and be with you. Here's a closing comment that I would have for, for all of us. Let's learn as a people to celebrate one another's advancements. No matter how they come, let's learn to celebrate the advancements. I've learned from this standpoint, I heard uh, Pastor E. Dewey Smith say something a while ago, and then I'm out of here, guys. If I stay small enough, long enough, he'll make me big enough soon enough. And that's oh, what I'll leave everybody. Right now. I, I love that. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to have to remember that. And um, yeah, once again, you know, on social media, let's just cool it down a bit. You wish Co-Sanders the best. You wish Jackson State. Because at the end of the day, as much, and, and people who know me know, I've talked about the rivalry. Grambling State is more like a family. Mm-hmm. Jackson State, it is really intense. I'll use it that way. I've used other adjectives, <laughs> but I'm going to use intense. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we are one, HBCU family. And it's all right to agree to disagree. Yes, that happens. Way. We can look at our families. And, and that happens, you know, but at the end of the day, we've got to be like this. Yes. And so with that, that being said, appreciate it, Aussie. We'll talk again real soon. Yes, sir. Love you guys. Take care and have a great rest of the week. All righty. We're going to uh, take a timeout. When I come back, We'll talk with Willa Brown, Charles, one of your favorite persons. You know, get his opinion. I'm, I'm trying to get everybody's opinion on the hot topics. And then I'll just add mine in just a little bit as well. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. We shall return. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
At CDW, we get speed as the new currency of success. Our team spends way too much time tending to outdated applications and software when they should be focused on driving application agility and innovation. CDW Amplify Development Services modernizes software and application development to help accelerate innovation and digital transformation. So you mean building new applications, UI, and mobile interfaces? Well, you said you needed to innovate more quickly. Oh, so he's a listener. To do more at scale, trust CDW Amplify Development Services. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll everybody <laughs> we all go why not enjoy the go with Charmin nope not going in not gonna drown today fixing your credit score can be scary but with credit versio we take the fear out of it <sighs> okay you can do this be brave don't cry again hey <laughs> this isn't too bad credit versio helps dispute negative marks on your credit using our state-of-the-art technology that guides you every step of the way it's never been easier to fix your credit and increase your credit score. Seriously, you can do this. Visit creditversio.com right now to get started. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard. 
as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. This week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Boy, I tell you, during the break, is always some interesting conversation going on. But <laughs> next guest on, on, on today's show, uh, Willa Brown. I consider a, a friend, and uh, I, I think about all the discussions we used to have at SWAC Media Day. Uh, sometimes I was wrong. Sometimes I was right. But it was just a conversation. He is now uh, interim AD at Fort Valley State. And uh, Willa, good afternoon. How you doing, sir? Good, good afternoon, Carlos. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How's everything going? Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, going well. Uh, it seems like you're in your office there, right, <laughs> Willa? Yeah. We just finished uh, commencement, fall commencement this morning. I you know, heard you talking about that earlier. It's, it's that time of the year. And um, oh, yeah. we had about maybe 15 athletes that uh, that graduated today. So, you know, I had to make sure that I was here and, you know, they saw my face, that sort of thing, congratulating them and their parents, you know, on, on a job well done. And it, it's that time of the year. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. Congratulations. Uh, to uh, all, as I said earlier, congratulations to all HBCU and college graduates. Um, Will, a lot of things going on. Now, I, I'm not necessarily having you here as from an AD perspective, but you are an AD. That's, that's no doubt about that. But just your kind of perspectives. Um, Jackson State, of course, you were... Uh, there before they win the 2022 SWAC football championships. Of course, Coach Sanders now moving on. That's a big topic. 2023 Black College Hall of Fame class introduced. Um, but the SIAC, we were talking about that during the break. Now going away from divisions, and now the best two teams – will participate for the SIAC championship. And so uh, I think we have Roy's mic muted. He's producing today's show. He's a FAMU graduate. And um, a lot of that talk is kind of going on about will other conferences follow um, getting away with uh, divisions. I believe what the ACC, et cetera, uh, are going away from it. From the SIAC's perspective, how is that uh, advantageous to do that for the SIAC? Well, I, I don't know if it, well, 
know, you kind of probably would have thought if that would have happened this year, it probably would have been for Valley State and Benedict in the, in the championship game as opposed uh-huh. to Tuskegee. Uh, but, you know, I mean, all we had to do was take care of our business on the front end. And so, you know, you can't, can't complain about that. You know, my major complaint, Carlos, if, if I have one, is the NCAA Division II playoff. You know, mm. I don't know if you guys probably, you know, because you are involved on the FCS level, uh, but we were ranked uh, seventh out of mm. the seven. They only picked seven teams out of the region. And we were ranked seventh uh, the week before the final rankings came out. And uh, our season had ended. Uh, the SIC championship game had uh, it was was about to be concluded, and you know Benedict won that sort of thing. And uh, so we all knew that Benedict was probably going to get the number one seed. But here we are in the seventh slot, the the, the last slot, eight and two record, uh, pretty good strength of schedule, that sort of thing. Uh, we had beaten Tuskegee and, you know, a few, few other folks along the way. And uh, so we thought that there was a great possibility that we would get a slot in terms of the D2 playoff. And uh, mm. we'll come to find out at the end of the day, uh, Wingate leaked over us, who wasn't even in the rankings the week before, and Fayetteville State, who had won the CIAA. I, I don't, I'm thinking they were ranked like maybe 10 the week before. And they leaped, they leaped over us. And so we were pretty much knocked out of the picture in terms of a mm. Division II playoff berth. And so, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out now exactly uh, what the shortcoming is. Uh, my thought is that, you know, seeing the SIAC, normally we only play 10 games because you have the championship game and everybody sets aside that slot just in case they're going to make it to the championship game. So everybody in the SIC plays 10 games. Everybody in the CIAA plays 10 games. They're in the same boat. And uh, But the teams that jumped over us played 11. Hmm. You know, so my, my thinking is that, I mean, Fayetteville State, their 11th game was the CIAA championship game. So they wound up being nine and two. Okay. My record's eight and two. Uh, I don't know who Wingate played, but their record was pretty much like eight and three or uh, nine and two, something like that. But, uh, you know, bottom line at the end of the day, I think not having that 11th game hurt us. And so, you know, my, my charge to the SIEC office is how do we rectify that? You know, mm-hmm. those two schools that are not in the <clears throat> championship game, but you're right on the cusp of the possibility of getting the playoff berth, you know, how do you help those schools get over, get over the hump? You know, I wanted to play uh, Virginia Union uh, during that, open week, that same week that the SIAC championship game was in, I wanted to play Virginia Union in Charlotte. Uh, Naturally, Union didn't want to play. They were ranked like fourth in the region at the time. 
And, you know, I don't blame them. I just threw it out there just to see if they would bite on it. But, uh, you know, so, you know, didn't hurt them. I mean, they were 9-1 and one or what have you. They'd only lost one game. But, uh, you know, it's hard trying to find an opponent at that last minute, you know, so that you can try to get that 11th game in. Plus, historically, the conference didn't want you to interfere with the conference championship game. You know, so that's Saturday, pretty much relegated for conference championship Saturday. You know, they want the support of all the schools, not just the support of the two schools that are playing. You know, so naturally they're going to frown on you if you, you know, play a game outside of that that championship Saturday. So, you know, we got to find a way to be able to play the game that everybody else plays, you know, especially, you know, if we're going to try to get into the uh, the playoffs on a, on a regular basis. So that's that's my that's my biggest beef in terms of you know what's what's going on conference wise, and uh, so we gotta we gotta find an answer to it somehow, you know somehow because you can't go into the next to the last week, you know in a playoff position, not play, you know so your schedule I mean your your record is still the same your strength of schedule is still the same everything is still the same. But then teams leapfrog over you, you know, the, at the last at the last minute, and uh, you know I, I know how it works because I was on the FCS committee uh, for a while when I was at uh, A and T, uh, and you know how you have the phone call before the phone call, you know, where uh, representatives from the other conferences will call you and say, well, you know, we'll. Uh, you know, what's going on with, you know, Hampton and your conference? Uh, you know, see, they got a pretty good record, that sort of thing. And, you know, well, you know, if you vote for my school at, at number five, you know, I'll vote for school in your conference at number seven, you know, that sort of thing. And this is all happening before the conference call takes place. So I'm like, you, know, <sighs> you guys are calling me. How many other people you calling after me or have called before you called me? You know, so, you know, I, I know how that game is played, you know, from, from that point of view. But somehow we got to find a way to kind of level that, that particular playing field so that we get adequate representation. You know, then, I, you know, Fayetteville State got trounced by somebody. And uh, yeah, Virginia Union got trounced by somebody. And uh, Benedict had the week off because they had the first round by. Yeah, you know, then they lost like that next week at home, and so you know we, once we get there, we gotta we gotta win, you know we gotta win. That's the only way that you're gonna get the respect, you know, necessary in order to you know be players year in and year out. So you know that's that, that's the major challenge for us, Carlos. I understand. Uh, have you had continuous dialogue? with uh, the conference office uh, or some feedback to maybe to 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 help out with this situation well, because tell me if i'm wrong it sounds like you you really need to consistently have 11 games or that's or that's not going to happen well as far I mean, as the conference wise. right now what what is being proposed what i have proposed is that uh 
those teams that are on the cusp of trying to get into the playoffs, uh, you know, mm-hmm. maybe play that 11th game on, on Friday night before the uh, before the SIC championship game. You know, play it on that Friday mm-hmm. night as opposed to that Saturday. You know, uh, somehow just, you know, just be able to, to get it in. If you don't want uh, the teams other than the championship teams playing on Saturday, you know, then, I mean, at least, you know, provide a, an avenue for them to play on on Friday night. You know, even if you play it at the site of the SIAC championship, you know, have a game on, have a game on Friday night. You know, if I'm right there in the rankings or Tuskegee or whomever, that sort of thing, and, you know, we know that we're probably going to need that 11th game in order to get over the hump, you know, then, you know, let's 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 play on that Friday night you know, in championship game that Saturday, you know, you, it may, you know, help with, with attendance on Saturday. You never know. So it's some things that are being, you know, bandied about that sort of thing. And so, you know, we're, we'll see, but you know how our schools are, Carlos, we move at a snail's pace. Yeah. So hmm. hopefully <laughs> before the summer, we'll we have some kind of clue <laughs> in terms of, in terms of direction. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, we're visiting with um, Wheeler Brown, interim AD at Fort Valley State. Um, keep 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 me abreast of uh, of that situation because I, I I did see across the the wire about uh, getting away from divisions, and um, you know even on social media some people are, are saying maybe maybe the SWAC should consider that and. Um, I, I, I want to say in my group text message, I, I, I want to say Dr. Cavill said that that may, that's coming up for discussion in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. I hope I'm not in error with that, but if it wasn't Dr. Cavill, I apologize. But, uh, um, you know, on, on social media, once again, they, they kind of want to see that happen. And, and, you know, some other conferences have decided to, to do that as well. So, in other words, your two best teams will play in the championship. And in the SWAC case, that would have been Jackson State and and FAMU. However, FAMU just, if they could take care of business on the eastern side, they would have been in the championship. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Mm -hmm. it's up for discussion. Charles, you seem like you have a comment or two about this uh, situation that uh, Wheeler was talking about. Yeah, it sounds like it's it's political. It's, it's I mean, if, if calls are being made before it's, the vote, it's, it's like... Always. You, you, you scratch my back. Always. I scratch your back. Wait, wait. That's, that's, that's kind of the... I did, hey, I mean, we, we, we know politics is always out there in every situation, and so I'm not totally surprised, but just for you sharing the stories in terms of how that happens... How you get the phone calls? You hadn't called anybody. You're getting the calls and getting information, and you you want a handout just like they want a handout. It's just that's just intriguing and uh, amazing. To, well, not amazing, but it's just intriguing to me how all that unfolds. And I'm sure, I'm sure it, even you talk about the NCAA basketball committee and these other things, these other situations. I'm sure some of that's going on too. I mean, you you would have to believe mm-hmm. that some of that's happening as well. It is. It is. You need a lobbyist almost. You got a politics. You got a, 
<laughs> you, you gotta well, I, try I to think, make Carlos, the, the, the only concessions. Is the issue becomes uh, who is lobbying on your behalf. You know, so uh, if it's my rival, like if if the coaching team <laughs> is on a committee, you see what I'm saying? You know, oh. he ain't necessarily gonna fight for me. You know, he's gonna try to fight for Tuskegee, even though they may not have a chance. You know, so you gotta have somebody that's gonna be, I ain't gonna say neutral, but somebody that's gonna fight for the conference and not just for their particular school. I hear you loud and clear. Uh, I know in politics, that's why they uh, a lobbyist sometimes is a dirty word, you know, as far as, but, 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 they're, but they're out there and they're on the behalf of trying to get things done for the person who hasn't, mm-hmm. they have a deal with, I put it that way. With that being said, okay, Will, are some interesting things going on elsewhere in HBCU athletic uh, land. Your thoughts on Coach Sanders? I know you've seen all of the uproar. He's moving on. Uh, where, where do you stand on that? Just from your perspective, I, I'm interested to see where you where you're going to go with this. Well, I, I think this here's where I am, Carlos. Okay, yes, sir. If he had not come in, stating that God sent me here to save the world in terms of HBCU football, that sort of thing. I'm the savior, I'm this, I'm that, you know, and all the all the hubbub that went with that. If he had not come in like that, if he just come in grateful for the job, you know, la-di-da, so forth and so on, build it up, you know, get everybody, keep everybody excited, things of that nature, you know, and then if it was time for him to go after a few years, I don't think anybody would have begrudged him. But when you set yourself up to be the savior of all things black college football, you know, I'm swack and, you know, everything else that kind of goes with that, you know, then you opened yourself up when you jumped at, on the first train smoking. And that to me, the major issue that I have. Not mm-hmm. hating on prime time or you know anything such as that. Not begrudging a man for you know taking care of his family and wanting to you know maximize dollars and things of that nature. But I will say this, okay? You cut the line in the beginning to get the job. Because there were a whole lot of coaches out there that Hmm. have paid their dues, that have been coaching for years and years, looking for an opportunity to become a head coach, you know, either at HBCU or just a head coach, period. Okay? You came in, two years of high school coaching experience, you jumped to the front of the line, you got the job because of who you are, that sort of thing. So you jumped the line, okay? Now, okay, and you profess yourself to be the savior of us all, okay? Came in, did a good job, that sort of thing, everything else that goes with that. And now the the first job that's paying a lot better, 
you know, and it's definitely an upgrade. There's no doubt about that at the end of the day. You know, you jump and you leave. And then you say that I'm doing it for all black coaches, you know, so I can help my fellow black coaches uh, uh, aspire and move up, that sort of thing. Now, but your two offensive coordinators, your two coordinators that you just hired are white guys. So tell me who you're uplifting. And we know that in order to get a head coaching job, you know, on that level, you know, a lot of times you are elevated from the coordinator's position. Now you're telling me you're about uplifting black coaches, that sort of thing. Okay. Why won't your two coordinators now that you that you have just hired at Colorado, why weren't they black coaches? Why are they white coaches? You know, why are the black guys that you are hiring are position coaches? Analysts, I still don't know what that means. Yeah, uh, you know, things just just things of that nature. You know, so don't sell yourself to be the messiah. You know, when you're only out for yourself, and it's okay if you're out for yourself, just go ahead and put it out. Say it up front and, and, and keep it moving from there. You know, I mean, you know, talking about Jackson State like a dog now. You know saying folks stealing money and all that sort of thing. And, you know, Carlos, I was there for a few years. I can tell you, ain't no money to be stolen. <laughs> you know, so, you know, you forget about that, you know. And, you know, Veteran Stadium don't hold 60000 You know, forget about that. It don't hold fifty. <laughs> you know, matter of fact, it holds 42 and some change. You know, wow. and I know because I had Ticketmaster to come in and reconfigure everything using today's measurements. You know, when Veterans Stadium was built, the size of the seats, the butts, was like 17 inches. Oh, okay. my. That, that oh made my. a seat, 17 inches. So where the 50,000 plus uh, uh, came from was based off of 17 inches. Yeah, but now I don't know anybody, or at least not me anyway, in terms of 17 inches. Forget about that part, you know. (laughs) But uh, Ticketmaster, yeah, we're we're blessed. It's like 22, (laughs) 23 inches. So they went back through the whole stadium for us and reconfigured Mm -hmm. what the capacity is using today's standards. And like I said, it came to like 43,400. You know that that sort of thing. So you know that that's the capacity of the stadium. You know, and you guys know, Charles, especially you. You know how many tickets we give away on average. You know, I know about that. Bands, yeah, yeah. The bands don't buy tickets. You know, and that's about five, six hundred people on average when you look at both schools' bands. Okay, mm-hmm. you set aside four tickets per player in accordance with NCAA rules. Okay, so you're talking about 80 players, 85 players times four for one team, and then the same thing for the opposing team. I mean, come on now, you know, so you can <laughs> see the stands being full, you know, but we know everybody ain't paid. 
you know, and then, you know, your sponsorship tickets and, you know, everything else that goes along with that. So I can see where Jackson State has probably told him that, well, you know, we only sold 28,000, you know, 28,000 paid tickets, even though it's standing room only in here. That's, that's definitely feasible. There's no doubt about that at all. You know, so nobody's stealing any money, Carlos. And, and you know, we all know, well, I know, let me put it like this. I know, you know, that, you know, at Jackson State, the ticket revenue is budgeted for. Ticket revenue goes right back into the athletic budget. Okay. Uh-huh. But when I was there, okay, concessions goes to auxiliary services. Okay. And your parking and tailgating revenue goes to the stadium budget. And I'm sure that hasn't that hasn't changed. Uh-huh. You know, so I mean you know, if, if you're thinking it's a big windfall there, even though you see a lot of folk there, it's not. You know, mm. so all this about, you know, they're stealing from me, all this sort of thing. It's, I mean, come on now. It, it ain't real. It ain't real. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, you know, and, and if it's me, Carlos, it's just me talking, I would not allow him to coach the Celebration Bowl. When you decided and you made that announcement that you were going to Colorado, okay, to me, it was time to cut ties right then. You know, thank you for your service, Coach Prime, and, you know, you did a wonderful job for us and, you know, have your stuff out by the next day and, you know, let me find an interim, you know, and I think T.C. Taylor would do a good job for them. But that's just my personal opinion. And, uh, you know, but with, with, with Ashley Robinson, uh, I just think right now he's probably conflicted because he's trying to figure out whether or not he wants to make that splash higher again or try, you know, or bring this thing back to normal and let's get back to business as normal. So I think he's kind of, you know, kind of torn with that. But if it's me, I'm going back to normal. You know, no, no doubt about that. You know, T.C. Taylor, I think he's got a good rapport with a lot of the kids. I think he could stop the bleeding in terms of a lot of kids going to the transfer portal, that sort of thing and stuff. And, you know, and I, and I think the continuity, I, I, I think, will be uh, satisfied, you know, if you get like him right there and, and give him a shot. You know, even if you make him interim for the next year, you know, and see how he does, that sort of thing. You know, you, you're giving another guy hope, okay? You're not cutting the line again. You know, somebody who has, you know, worked hard to put himself in that position, that sort of thing. And like I said, you, you're bringing things back to normal. So just just my thoughts. Wheeler, Guys, I, let I have me, a quick question. Oh, go ahead. No, let, let me take a quick quick break and um, Charles hold that point and we'll come back you're watching the Carlos Brown show on the Black College Sports Network from novice to aficionado find yourself here high quality cigars plus personal customer service with Slowburn. visit our website www 
www.slowburnwaco.com. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. It's more than a mobile lounge. It's an environment and an experience rich in history, luxury, and personality. An elegant extension of any celebration occasion. It's the perfect escape and meeting place. A space where you can relax or enjoy a shared passion. Have Slowburn plan your next big event or before you are planning to celebrate your win over your athletic rival, you can shop our collections at www.slowburnwaco.com. But if they want to tap, uh, I'm going to do the dab, yeah. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden & Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. Coles Brown show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Um, Wheeler, we got about five more minutes left, but actually we, we, we'll, we'll get you get you back. But um, something you said, uh, and, and I that was my stance. Pretty much, uh, I'm always looking out for the, uh, the the assistant coaches who need the opportunity to become a head coach, and I understand, uh, you know. Some ADs, they will make the decision, all universities to go now with the, the name recognition. Um, but but I agree with you. There are so many uh, coaches looking for that opportunity. And as you stated, they went through the process. They've done everything they're supposed to do. And you can't get an uh, a opportunity. Do you think the name recognition hires now will be what we'll see more of it or will we go back to as you quoted stated normalcy the normal uh hiring of uh athletic coaches unfortunately i think you're going to see more of it at least in the in the short time anyway you know you got trent dilford being hired at uh alabama birmingham you know, I mean, and, you know, the, the list pretty much goes on and on. So, 
you know, it just seems like we've started, they've started a trend there uh, that it's going to be hard to break. And it's going to take a, a minute or two for, for that to break. You know, you still got some old school guys, I guess, like myself, who, you know, uh, probably would not lean towards that particular trend. Uh, you know, when our position was, was open uh, before we hired Coach Gibbs, I mean, you know, Tyrone Poole, he's a uh, Fort Valley graduate, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, and Super Bowl champion with the Patriots and all that sort of thing. Can't You would not believe how our phone rang off the hook, you know, in terms of well, why don't y'all give him a shot, that sort of thing. You know, so I think it's still going to happen, uh, you know, for, for the most part. But, you know, I mean, history is showing you that it, this is a one-trick pony. You know, you look at Eddie George at Tennessee State. You know, you even look at, like, Hugh Jackson at Grambling. You know, and the, the list goes on and on. All these big splash-type, you know, type hires haven't really worked out well. You know, and uh, so, but I, but I think it's going to be around for a little while longer. Yeah, I, I understand. Um I think that's about it. I mean, it could go some other uh, situations, but I, I, I'm intrigued by your perspective and uh, piece on what has uh, been going on. Um, I tell you what, we'll get you back real soon. I, I, I missed mm-hmm. the, the conversations we had at that SWAC Media Day. We agreed sometimes, we disagreed, but it was all entertaining, and, and I enjoyed the uh, uh, conversation definitely, definitely. and um, the college landscape is changing it's always evolving and it within the HBCU realm it, it, it's no different trends mm-hmm. athletic resources facilities upgrade all of that I, I tell people a lot of times it's on record Southern is on record of having what they would like to do Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of fact of just trying to get it done. But um, we, we, we got to have the alums. It, it, I guess it's it, it, it's it's going to take multifaceted solutions because it's there's multifaceted problems. And one mm-hmm. solution cannot uh, rescue us. It's going to be from a, a multiple standpoint. In your closing comments. And, that, uh, and that's Will. what I've been... That's, that's what I've been telling folks here, uh, Carlos. You know, mm-hmm. one entity is not going to get it done. You know, if you think your alums are going to somehow magically start giving at a 50% rate when they've only been given historically at a 9 or 10% rate, mm-hmm. it, it's not going to happen. You know, so the, the, the institution is going to have to increase their support. The alums are going to have to increase their support. You know, we got to, got to turn it up a notch in terms of sponsorships and, you know, things, things of that nature. Everybody's got to work in conjunction with each other in order for this for this thing to happen. But if we're sitting around just waiting on one entity to do it all, we're going to stay in the same spot where we are. We, we, we're not going to progress much at all. And, you know, it sounds like you're saying collectively, we have to do it all, and we can't just wait. Uh-oh. You just can't wait on the Messiah. 
are, are saved. <laughs> we all, we all are, have the potential to be saved saviors. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll close. I'll close on that. Willer, appreciate the time. Let's let's talk again real soon on the show. Definitely, no doubt. Appreciate you guys. All right, thank you. That that was Willa Brown, uh, interim director of athletics, Charles at Fort Valley State. Um, having a discussion with uh, some close people the other day. Yeah, uh, a lot of times as a, as a people, we wait on a one person, a savior, a messiah. When in essence, we all got to chip in. And, you know, I can do better. You can do better. We all can do better. And, you know, if we agree to disagree on some items, it's, it's okay. It really is. But, yeah, but it's a multifaceted, uh, it's going to be multifaceted solutions to uh, handle multifaceted uh, problems. Yep, that, that's the case. Everybody has to give more, um, more administrative support, more state support. I mean, you, you you look at Southern University. I mean, I don't know where things stand with you guys down there with the big bond issue and the state money that's coming in. You know, Roman Banks talked about that in terms of improvements for athletic facilities down there at Southern University, um, increased state funding. Um, you know, so I think all of that has to has to increase. But I, I do think that, you know, if you talk to a lot of our alums, a lot of people are saying we're giving as much as they can give at, at this point mm-hmm. in time. And so you have to kind of respect that as well. I mean, we can all give more, but how, how, how far do you push to, to get more? And so I think you just have to take what's given and just try to use that and manage that as, as best as you can. And I think with Coach Sanders, one thing he did do, I mean, he knew people. He knew sponsors, and he was able to do that. And I think that's part of the reason why, in, in part, a small reason why he was hired. I mean, he got Walmart to do some stuff, some other entities to do some stuff. And that's that's kind of what you're looking for if, if you know people that know big people that can give a lot of money to help where, where you need to go and do what you need to do. That's helpful as well. So if you can make that big splash and get other people to come on board, then that, that helps in terms of not as much university resources. you got your own resources to – to, to uh, do that. So, you know, I, I agree with Wheeler. I've said it, Carlos. I think the celebrity big splash hire like that, that's going to be the trend going forward until it fails. If it fails two or three times, then I think we have administrations back off of it. But Coach Sanders was a success. We'll see what Hugh Jackson brings. That's it's still early yet. It's still year one done with that. Um, you know, Eddie George is still early yet. Let's have this conversation in 12 months and see where that lands. If year two, if things still go south, then, you know, we can have even a deeper discussion about it. But Coach Sanders, clearly what he did, what he's done, that's what people are looking at because we're in a copycat society. You know, you got you got other coaches out there, Ed Reed, you know, you, you got these. I mean, it's just other names that that are that are out there. I'm, it, it, that's not going away, Carlos. Just just be ready for it. Just, you know, Ray, Ray Lewis. Just be ready for it. Those names are still oh out there. Goodness. Those names are percolating. Yes. I mean, I hate to see it too. I hate to hear it too, but that's just the brutal reality of where we are right now. And with the openings that we have in this conference, hey, Ashley Robinson has a big decision to make because the Jacksonians are saying privately and publicly, we can't go backwards. We've had too long of a drought. We can't go back. We can't go backwards. I think T.C. Taylor would be a good hire, but there are some people who feel otherwise. We'll see. 
Well, once again, it, it'll be different if you didn't have any success. Wouldn't you agree Jack State had success before Coach Sanders? Albeit they had some downtimes, but for the most part, W.C. Gordons, uh, Coach Comingy. So it's different if you have never had success. You know what success is. And I think some of the Jacksonians have been making that point on social media. Hey, we'll just keep the train going. You know, we've had success. But it's going to be interesting. I understand it. I'll be in the minority on this, I'm sure. Yes, but I believe they will have continued success. And yeah, the trend is now the the big name hires. But we only seen it in one case where it was quick gratification. And that's what Jackson State. The jury's still out on all the other ones. The names you mentioned. Hugh Jackson, Eddie George. So it, it, it'll be okay as we kind of move off of that topic, waiting for my uh, last guest, uh, Larry Harrell, to, to join us. But uh, there's some other news, Cactus Jack Baseball Classic, and we'll put up that graphic for you. That's going to start uh, in, in, in February. Uh, the, the foundation is putting together those uh, those series of baseball games, and, and you've got some uh, collegiate baseball teams in the SWAC that are going to be participating in that. Um, looking forward to see how successful uh, this is going to be, Charles. You got Grambling State. You're going to have Prairie View, Texas Southern, Southern Mississippi Valley State participating in, in, in this classic in February 2023. We're seeing more of these classics in February, more of these tournaments, mini tournaments, if you will, than, than we've ever seen. You know, it, it was just the Major League uh, MLB Urban Invitational New Orleans. Uh, and now you got another uh, Urban Invitational in Florida. Now you have this. So you're, you're, you're seeing a lot of February baseball involving SWAC teams. And I'm sure if you talk to all those coaches, Omar Johnson and others, they love they would love that because it gives you a, a HBCU, a SWAC feel in February. Because, I mean, let's let's be real about it. We don't really get into SWAC baseball until the weather warms up. I mean, you know, I'm out there in February in gloves and, and skull cap, and we're doing, you know, baseball. Um, but people don't really follow it like that until you get beyond March Madness. So this is some good baseball right off the bat. Get a chance to kind of see where you are right off the bat against other quality SWAC teams. I mean, Grambling came up short. Jackson's always been there. Uh, Southern, you know, Texas Southern, you know, Coach, Coach Rob's always going to have his team ready. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that transpires. Let's hope we get a good turnout to where a classic like that continues where you get other teams involved as you rotate some of those teams perhaps. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that turns out. Yeah, the future will be bright. Uh, different um, baseball classics now as, as part of trying to get more uh, young kids, high school uh, baseball players in uh, to the collegiate level. Uh, let me take another quick break. And when I come back, uh, we're scheduled to join uh, Larry Harrow here on the Coles Brown Show. You're watching. The Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. Some carriers will give you just one measly entertainment subscription. One is no fun. With Verizon, there's up to seven entertainment subscriptions with your unlimited plan. That's seven times the... <laughs> seven times the... No, no. Seven times the... Yeah. Yeah. 
music, gaming, Disney+, Hulu, ESPN+, and more. That's seven times the entertainment! Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better costs less than you think. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is Always Ultra Thin's reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you, got, you guys do for us. Network. In our last segment, our final guest, uh, Larry Harrell. Uh, I should say Coach <laughs> Harrell, a former Southern University <laughs> football player. And uh, good afternoon, Coach. Welcome to the Coles Brown Show again. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me back, Carlos. Oh, no problem. It won't be the last time. Um, your collegiate coach, Coach yes, Pete sir. Richardson. Uh, in the 2023 Black College Hall of Fame, uh, he was uh, announced to be in this class. Kind of give us some thoughts on uh, what uh, this honor for Coach Richardson means. And then, of course, uh, you play for him. Uh, your, your thoughts on on just, uh, just a great accomplishment and a great career. Yes, sir. I, um, you know, <clears throat> have all – uh, the honor and praise for Coach Richardson, man. Um, you know, I said it before last time, he was almost like a second father to many of us. Um, a lot of people don't realize, you know, you just look at the football piece, but, uh, man, when it comes to coaching, man, um, being a coach myself, you, you get so many times where kids come back and, you know, they don't talk about past games or anything. They talk about the impact you had on their lives. Uh, you know, now I'm, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a father, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my career and a lot of things that uh, I learned from him, I learned from coach, you know, it helped me as a man, not just on the field. So he deserves it, man. He was a great, great man. Um, and I, I really think he was ahead of his time, Carlos. Uh, he did some stuff mm -hmm. that uh, was outside of the box as far as practices uh, as far as uh, exposure and things like that, I just heard y'all's spirited debate about uh, Coach Prime. But, I mean, you know, we've, we've had this celebrity because we had, you know, during that time, Coach Doug Williams that came along 
um, at the end of, at the end of my career, you know, and kind of raise uh, awareness to Grambling and um, you know, so like I said, Coach Richardson was really, really ahead of his time. Really, uh, I think he's become the dean of the swag. Um, but like I say, his off field, uh, what he did for us as players, man, can't can't even be measured. Coach, we we looked at at Coach Richardson, and, and for most people, even me, um, he's always a guy that's measured with his comments um, strictly by the business. Do you think, how do you think Coach Richardson feels about this um, being inducted into the 2023 Black College Hall of Fame? Will he still be the same way, kind of like, uh, okay, congratulations, but how, how do you think he's feeling right now? So I think, I think just on a personal, I think kind of bittersweet. Um, I know he would have loved, you know, his wife to be there for this. Um, obviously, we lost her um, a couple of years ago. Um, and the one thing, that's why I say uh, the, the, the family aspect, you know, we went on the road, <laughs> Carlos, you know, we didn't get on the planes or whatever. I think we only took one plane at the Circle City Classic. You know, Ms. Richardson was right there, like sitting right in the front. And that's mm -hmm. something that always sticks out to me. Like he kept his wife around us, around the program. And it just showed us again, you know, how to treat a lady, how to, I mean, and they were just so humble. They weren't braggadocious. They weren't, you know what I'm saying? Look at me, like Coach Richardson is a real humble guy, man. Um, now behind closed doors, you know, with just us, <laughs> I think he was like Franklin D. Roosevelt with the uh, uh, walk softly but carry a big stick, because now <laughs> Coach could turn up. Uh, you know, we get behind them closed doors. You know, he would he would he would let us know what he really felt. But you know, in the media stuff, man, he's just a classy individual. Uh, carried himself with class. You know, represented not only the SWAC, but black college football and Southern University, you know, at the highest level. Um, and, and, and I just think being a humble guy that he is, he'll be uh, gratified and satisfied, but he don't thank everybody, you know, from the administration uh, to the players and everybody. He's not going to take the praise to himself, his former coaches and stuff. So uh, that's just the humble guy that he is. Um, but like I say, man, coaches uh, – Coach is awesome, man. I haven't seen him in a while, but I heard, you know, he's been around. I really got to get back to Baton Rouge so I can mm -hmm. see him and shake a hand and just be able to tell him, you know, the wonderful things he did for my life um, as a coach. He, he inspired me to want to be a coach myself. And, you know, and that's where I was going next with um, his influence. Uh, it sounds like he had a lot of influence that you got into uh, um, uh, coaching football and how did your um, team do this past year so uh here in georgia we have seven classifications uh we play in not only the highest classification uh play in the toughest region i say in america uh we play in a region with uh uh i think they was top five this year in the nation buford um i don't know if you ever heard of them uh the team yeah, that's playing I, in the I've state championship yeah, so you know the monster that they are uh, playing in the state championship today is uh, 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 Tina Exford is second to Buford uh, Mill Creek. They play state championship. The champion uh, from last year, which had uh, Travis Hunter, which went to Jackson State, Collins Hill. They're in that same region along with the Kula Mountain View. So uh, we 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 started out hot, Carlos. Uh, this team that I took over was one and nine the past two seasons. 
Uh, we started out 5-0, and best start since uh, 1980, I believe. And then we got in region, and, and, and it kind of shows that we got to go and go to work. Uh, we, we uh, uh, you know, 0-5, but uh, we were in every game. Our kids battled. I'm really getting the, excited about the offseason, being able to have our first offseason so we can get back there and, and show what we have. But uh, like I say, man, we still do a lot of the same stuff that I learned from Coach Orlando, uh, uh, terminology and everything. Um, still take a lot of those principles and things like that. Uh, and like I say, it's, it's good to be here in Georgia, good in the metro area. Uh, and we just got a lot of upside uh, going for us. And, and we're excited, uh, you know, to get, get back in 23 to show what we can really do. Well, Coach, uh, we appreciate the time. We're right up at the end of the show. But I, I just kind of want you to come on and, and uh, give us a perspective on uh, Coach Richardson. Uh, inducted into the 2023 Black College Hall of Fame class. And yes, um, I, I appreciate the time. We will be in touch. We will have you back on yes, real soon because I got to find out more about high school football in the state of Georgia. Georgia, Correct? yeah. We, we, I like to say we, we, we write up there with, with Texas stuff and uh, – as far as exposure, doing our, uh, our our championship, I know uh, LHSA is doing theirs, but ours on national TV, so you can catch all the games and stuff. So they do a good job here, uh, Carlos. And like I said, we gotta get you up to a game or something. But uh, you know, you, you'd really enjoy it, man. You really enjoy it. Well, I, I would love to do that. Uh, tell your uh, lovely family, wife, and and children hello and uh, greetings from. Louisiana, and we'll get you back on real, real soon because uh, we, we got to talk Southern University uh, football and yeah. get your thoughts on Coach Dula and this past uh, football season. But, man, have a blessed rest of your weekend, and uh, we'll talk again real soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all have a blessed day, too. All right. Thank you. That was uh, Larry Harrell, former Southern University football player, just giving us a few comments on uh, Coach Pete Richardson inducted into uh, the 2023 Black College Hall of Fame. JSU, the 2022 SWAC football champions. Charles, they're going to the Celebration Bowl, an early prediction? Jackson State. I, I got to pull for the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I had a blank there for a minute. I mean, when it's not all corn or grambling, I'm pulling for the SWAC. So, We've only won one celebration bowl. I think this this could be the year. I mean, look, Jackson proved me wrong. All the distractions, all the noise, they just blocked that out and play. Even though Southern yeah. spotted them, Southern helped them. There's no question about that last week. But Jackson looked focused, looked ready. The defense is, is tough. So I'm, I'm going with Jackson. And let's try to bring home the second uh, win in the celebration bowl. Well, I, I'm not happy that Southern's outscored Jackson State 24 to 17 when Bubba McDaniels uh, got in the game. Um, I, I'm happy, but then I'm not. Southern 412 yards of total offense, 439 for Jackson State. I guess it's frustrating when you see the pieces there and the talent. By the way, the Dog Day defense nationally ranked in several categories. You just got to get that O-line replenishing that D-line and the trigger man. I'm, I'm, I'm reading some of the comments in the chat room. 
get that solved. You believe Southern will be there. Will FAMU now? I think they the early on favorite. I know it's early to be heard from in the 2023 football season. Also, our thoughts and prayers go out to um, the family of Broderick Moore, Tyron Williams, and Dylan Young, three human jukebox band members and students at Southern University tragically lost their lives of this past week. Grandma State, kudos, thumbs up. They defeated Vanderbilt on the road of the SEC 64 to 62. Also, Coach Sanders, going to be a lot of talk contingent about that. Moving on to his next assignment, the University of Colorado. Coach, uh, uh, Coach Dancy, Mississippi Valley State, going with him. Assistant coaches from Jackson State. Next week, we'll talk more about the transfer portal. It is loaded. Every team in this conference has lost players, including Southern University, to the transfer portal. But guess what? They're also extending plenty of offers. December 21st is the signing day to sign on new student uh, athletes. So we'll see. want to thank all of our guests. Roy, producer of today's show. We definitely got to get out of here. Uh, for those in the uh, chat room, continue the conversation. Appreciate you tuning in. Until next Saturday at 11 a.m. for another edition of the Coles Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Until that time, peace and God bless. And remember, together we are one. Have a great weekend, folks. <laughs>